The deeper Christian life is no deeper than that of the clear teaching of God's Word. It is not a mystery withheld from anyone, but made known to all who will listen and obey. Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. May Christ lead you deeper into Himself today as together we explore God's Word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. We're now into the sixth message delivered at Bread of Life Fellowship Church in Boise, Idaho on the topic of holiness. We began by considering what it means that God is holy, and from there we've considered how God's holiness impacts our lives and how God makes it possible for us to be considered as holy. This is not a side issue in the Christian faith. This is the central issue that God was and is seeking for us. It is His purpose that we should be holy. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 expresses this desire of God for the outcome of our lives. Now, writes Paul, may the God of peace himself sanctify you, that is, make you holy or completely holy, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we've been speaking on the holiness of God and the life of holiness, and I just want to review for you a number of the messages. Before we can come to our own personal walk of holiness, we need to first discover and understand God is the holy God. And so our first message was entitled, The Holy One. The primary idea here was that God is holy, and He alone is holy. God's holiness is the unapproachable and consuming fire of His inconceivable otherness. In God's holiness, everything that is true of God is magnified into a concentrated majesty that's too rich for the universe to contain, much less for our minds to entertain. His love, mercy, compassion, righteousness, truth, power, justice, wisdom are swallowed up in the infinite, unlimited otherness of God's own holiness so that all of His perfections All that we might say to be true of God is wholly true of God. They are holy perfections. They are holy attributes. So that may be said above everything else that God's very nature is characterized by holiness, by complete otherness. He alone is holy. It's interesting that when God took the people of Israel out of Egypt and God wanted to, in a sense, reorient them to Himself, when God wanted to instruct them again in the worship and knowledge of the one true God, that the very thing that God presented to them as the starting point of this re-education unto Himself was God presented Himself to them as holy. He came down upon Mount Sinai. That mountain burned with the blaze of the fire of God's holy presence. And God warned them not to take Him lightly or to come near to Him. And God signaled forth His presence with some loud trumpet blast that I guarantee you wasn't some individual playing on a trumpet. It was the blare of the angelic introduction of God as holy before the people of Israel. They cried out in fear as God spoke and said, Oh, don't let God speak again or we'll all die. God presented Himself before them as holy. The second thing that we spoke about in our next message was not the Holy One, but the title of the message was The Holy Ones. God says of the Christian who has put their faith in Jesus Christ that we are called holy, that we're called to be saints, that we're saints. Actually, the word saint means holy one. It's a name that God has given to every child of God. I'm a saint. You're a saint if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. 
God's purpose in saving us was to make us holy. The purpose that he saved us in order that he might call us holy. He was to confer upon us the fire of his own holiness so that we may be in relation with him and live. The, the only thing we said that could be in fire and not be destroyed and God, a holy God, reveals himself as a holy fire and the only thing that can be in the presence of holy fire and not be destroyed is fire. So God, in saving a person, clothes us and fills us with his own spirit and life so that we are enwrapped in the fire of his own holiness. That was God's purpose in saving us, to make us holy. And what we said is if God's purpose in saving us was to make us holy, then our purpose in living out and living in that salvation should be to express that holiness. We said that the call to personal holiness is, among other things, a call to remove anything from our lives that cannot safely be brought into the presence of God's holy fire and remain. If it can't burn for Jesus, if it can't shine for Jesus, if you can't bring that thing or that interest or that attitude or that behavior or that relationship before the fire of Jesus Christ and have it remain, then throw it out. Let that thing out of your life. Let only those things into your life that you can share in the presence of the holy fire of God's complete and holy otherness. That holiness that God has placed on you. That holiness that God has brought you forth into into new life. That was it. We're to be the holy ones and we're to pursue holiness. Our next message was called Holiness and Fear. And here we spoke that the fiery holiness of God that when met repels us from him it causes us to draw back the power and potency of God's absolute otherness and holiness draws us away from him when Moses came to the burning bush as Moses was approaching it God said remain at a distance for what you've come to and where you're standing is holy ground Moses take the sandals off your feet you're standing on holy ground and we spoke of the different paintings and depictions we have of that moment when Moses came to that burning holy bush where God was revealing his holy presence and usually you see a little bush about the size of a pulpit here and you see Moses right next to it bent on his knees and bowed before it but no, no. There was a landscape before him and there was this bush that was burning and Moses is this little spot on the edge of the landscape quaking and fearing before the ocean, the infinite ocean of God's infinite eternal holiness blazing and burning before him and shaking the fiery holiness of God repels us from him. And yet what we said is the same fiery holiness of God invites us to come near. But as we come near, we should always do so in reverence and fear. You should experience the fear of a creature who is coming before its creator. And that fear should increase when you find out that that creator is sinless and pure. And you see that you're not. That fear will grow as you recognize that this holy God who's blazing and burning before you and revealing to you your own sin is yet still inviting you to come and you now as a child come fearfully in awe of him for he's calling you and inviting you to himself and inviting you into his holiness. And what God is doing in this moment is God brings you before his holy presence is God is bringing you and crafting into you. He's bringing you before and crafting into you faith. A faith that sees him and then sees yourself and in that moment repents and turns from your own sinfulness and turns in to see that before a holy God he is your only hope of being restored and made right with him. 
God is calling you in the midst of your fear of Him, in the midst of your own recognition of your sinfulness before Him. And it may be tempting to draw back from Him. It may be tempting to turn away because it's so intense when you come before a holy God. But it's not safe. It's no longer safe to turn back from this holy God. You cannot return back into your own little self-constructed world and self-contented world. The only safe place now is to be before Him in fear and repentance and turn away from yourself and from your sin and come to the fire of a holy God and give in to Him and relent to Him. Holiness and fear. The fourth message was holiness and redemption. We illustrated this message that we spoke of on holiness and fear from Isaiah chapter 6. We showed how this is demonstrated in the life of Isaiah when Isaiah encounters the holiness of God and he sees the seraphim worshiping God in the high temple and crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, crying out His holiness. And as they cried out His holiness, the whole structure of the uncreated heavenly temple began to shake. And Isaiah cries out in fear, Woe is me, for I am found out, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And before the presence of this holy God, Isaiah sees his own sinfulness and wretchedness. He sees that out of his heart flows sin and wickedness, and that it's produced in his mouth. And everything and every sound that he hears coming out of his mouth is tainted by this sin. And he cries out because before this holy God he's discovered. And he gives this honest confession, I'm a sinner. And before God's judgment. And before that honest confession, God comes and brings to him cleansing and redemption. And by the way, what we said is whenever you're honest with God, whenever you tell God the truth about yourself, whenever you tell God the truth about who he is, and you cry out in desperation before him, God's response to that claim of faith is to come and bring to you his cleansing and his redemption and his restoration. Now what we said is after that, Isaiah had a message and the message was to go out and claim to others this holy God who is a redeemer. And so when you read the rest of Isaiah, you'll see that on a number of occasions, Isaiah puts together two names for God. He calls God the redeemer of Israel, and he calls God the holy one of Israel, and he puts them together. The holy one of Israel, your redeemer. Because it was encountering God's holiness and that cry of confession that Isaiah experienced the cleansing and redemption of God and the forgiveness of God. And that was his message. But... It's not a message that people like to hear. People don't want to come before and face the holiness of God. And so this is what Isaiah was told would happen. He would continue to proclaim the holiness of God and call Israel to turn from their sin, to confront the holiness of God and let God expose their own wretchedness and sinfulness so that they cry out to God for mercy and redemption and honestly repent of their sins but they would not turn to God. They would not dare to look at God's holiness because they were committed to their own self-wills and their own self-designs. And as a result, Isaiah is told, this is what's going to happen, Isaiah. I am going to whittle Israel down to a stump. Lord, how long do I have to keep proclaiming this message until their cities are in utter ruin, until I bring them down to a stump to the roots in the ground. And then God says, but then in the stump there will be a holy seed. There will be a response that's given to me from those who remain. Listen, when you resist God wearing in upon you and trying to reveal His holiness and bring you to a point of turning away from your own self-righteousness and your own self-will 
and abandoning yourself in fear before a holy God. When you resist doing that, God will keep coming at you and coming at you and coming at you until he wears you down to a stump. There's hope for Isaiah. Isaiah, in this message you're going to preach that's so hard and so difficult and people resist, you know that at some point in time, I'm going to break through to some and they're going to respond to me. But I have great sympathy for Isaiah as well. Because in the meantime, Isaiah has to watch over and over and over again the consequences of individuals who resist turning full face into the holiness of God and abandoning themselves and their own wills before him. The final message was on rejoicing in holiness. When God's holiness is encountered, when we cry out in desperation because of our sins, when we turn to him and he brings to us his redemption and his salvation, what we're left with is glory. God's glory is what we experience of God. God's glory is not something intrinsic in God. It's our encounter experience of what God is. And for us, the experience of God is salvation. Our glory is in the salvation of God and God bringing to us his salvation. What's left for us when we encounter the holiness of God and we confess the holiness of God is we have left for us the experience of his glory and rejoicing in that glory and we find in him a home that we claim to ourselves. Well, now that you're all caught up in the series, join us in our next broadcast and we'll forge ahead in discovering holiness. Thanks for listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. For audio copies of this sermon, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.